Welcome to The Conversation. This is Gretchen. And hi, I'm Christy. And this is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode five, where we will be getting real about unhelpful thinking habits. One of the unhelpful thinking habits that I'd like to start with today is critical self. I feel like a lot of my clients struggle with the way that they talk to themselves and that many times we talk to ourselves in a way that we wouldn't talk to anybody else. And sometimes our brain tricks us to say that that could be actually making us better when it gets in the way of helping us be successful. Today we have two guests with us, uh, Reagan and Jenna, who are going to be joining us in the conversation about unhelpful thinking habits. Do you guys want to introduce yourself and say a little bit about yourselves? Hi, I'm Jenna and I'm a therapist. I work in the community mental health and also in private practice. Hi, I'm Reagan and I am a patient. And (laughs) you are a patient because we all, I mean, I have a therapist um, and I'm not afraid to talk about that. I haven't seen her in a really long time. And actually in going through all of these unhelpful thinking habits, I mentioned to somebody, you know, I think I've been really good and um, haven't been struggling with that too often. And then all of a sudden, bam, this week I was hit with two major incidents where I was like, whoa, back it up a little bit. Um, Maybe it's time to, I feel like when I'm getting stressed out um, or if I have an upsetting emotion, that tends to bring out my unhealthy. Oh, for sure. I think that's the same Mm -hmm. for anybody. I know that for myself as well. Stress makes everything worse. Mm -hmm. So I tell myself and I tell a lot of people that we will be like, I'm good. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to do any of the self-care that I was doing before because when you're in a good spot, you don't need that extra help, right? Like Mm -hmm. everything feels like it's where it needs to be. And then, like you said, two things in one week or in the same day or just one thing sometimes Mm -hmm. can throw us so off track that as soon as we start to feel stress, it's when specifically, I think for myself, a lot of that really negative, unhelpful thinking starts to creep back in and really takes over. Mm -hmm. Reagan, how long have you been in counseling? Um, since I, right before I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, I would say that was when I was 15. Mm. So. And was it easy to find a therapist that was workable with, you know, what you were looking for? Because for many people, I tell them if you find that you don't click with the first therapist, you might have to try another one. And what's your, been your experience? No, you definitely, I mean, I would say over the course of 23 years, I've seen a number of them. I found one luckily early on that was able to adapt to me being a teenager and a a wild 20 something and now in my 30s but um i have i did at different times living in different cities you have to talk to a lot of different people which Mm -hmm. it's it's so hard to do when the times that you really start therapy Mm -hmm. um is sometimes the worst time of your life and so being patient and you know, saying the same thing to a number of different people just to find the one that you mesh with Mm -hmm. is so difficult. But, you know, for your mental health, you have to stick to it. Yeah, when you go into a first therapy session, and even the second and third, it's about, you know, the reciprocity of your relationship. Can you build a rapport with this person? And can this person feel like they can build a rapport with you and help you? So you throw a bunch of things at the wall and see, you know, what sticks, what's most important. Nothing's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I know Gretchen and I have talked before about nothing is ever irrelevant. You want to talk about a TV show that maybe upset you? Hey, Do it. that's something that I'm going to store and maybe look at how you relate to the world at a later date. Jenna. And I really appreciate hearing Reagan's perspective as a therapist and 
specifically with this topic on unhelpful thinking because, you know, being a therapist and seeing patients and clients, often people think that as a therapist, you don't struggle with some of these things too, but especially unhelpful thinking of remembering you might not be the right match for the person coming into your office and not taking that personally and mm-hmm. spiraling into some of these unhelpful thinking patterns because often as we go through them, they do just one spirals into the next. Well, it's so easy to personalize that, right? Like we're in the helping profession and I even... I should be able to help everybody. Well, even if you're not in the helping profession, we mm-hmm. as humans and individuals want to connect with people. And um, if I want you to like me... Even if whether I'm your therapist or I just met you and I think you're really cool or whatever it is. And for some reason you don't or I'm not the right match mm-hmm. or something like that. I'm immediately going to get up in my head about that. What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. How, did I, how did I hurt somebody? people can always be honest about it. Like they won't be honest. You might get ghosted, so to speak, <laughs> as a therapist. And then you're like, what the heck? I thought everything was going well. When in fact maybe the person is busy or they really didn't like you for whatever reason. One time somebody told me I was too optimistic. So that's something I'm not changing. I also will probably <laughs> remain blonde for the rest of my life. Yeah. So again, don't like blondes, probably not uh, the right fit for you. Well, and that's the thing. I tell people that all the time, just like Reagan was talking about how important it is to try and find someone that matches you well. Just like you're not friends with everybody you meet, you're mm-hmm. not going to feel a connection with every therapist that you choose to work with or every person that you and interact with. And a lot with. goes into that relationship and what you go into therapy thinking I know, you know, my first therapist that I was like, I want somebody older. I want a seasoned therapist. And then I went and I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> and now I and have a therapist. A couple, she was like, should I try it one more time? And I'm like, three. You give them three times because maybe somebody has a bad day. Maybe you were kind of nervous or something. But after three, if it's still a no, it's a no. Yeah. And, you know, now I am happy with where I'm at. And that's really important. But exactly like Reagan said, to have to go through, you know, the most difficult times of your life, it's not easy. No. I think it's really refreshing to hear when, like, so many people think that therapists, you're going to go in and they're going to have all the answers right away. (laughs) Mm. Um, And so few people know that therapy is really about you know, what I've taken away from it, like helping me fix myself and Mm -hmm. guiding me. And so many people go in, but it it feels good to hear that therapists have therapists and therapists have problems because it's a process. And if they haven't gone through the process, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's making them a better therapist. Absolutely. So I will also put out there too, that I have been in therapy, right? (laughs) Because I say the same thing. I don't feel like I would be an effective therapist had I not been on the other side of it. Yeah. Um, well, you can only be as self-aware or enlightened, so to speak, as the person that's helping you. So if they are like storing all of their crap and not dealing with it, then that's going to come up. There's transference and counter-transference and stuff that the therapist deals with can definitely come out in um, sessions. So just to speak to your point, I've been through several, I mean, I'm in my 30s, so ups and downs of life are normal. Mm -hmm. And there have been times where I've struggled and said, I don't think that I can sit in a room with somebody else's issues right now. So luckily, I worked for community mental health, and I called in sick that day. So it's important to not push through, if you are a therapist out there listening, to not push through your personal stuff and 
try and force yourself to be present with other people when you're not feeling it. It's not fair to the person or to you. And I think, too, especially with negative thoughts and negative thinking, and especially myself, and I hear this every day when I work with people, that you often feed off of other people's energy. So when you're going into work or when you're with your family, you know, those negative thought patterns really reach out to other people and get them in in your web too. So you mean if you go home and somebody's slamming pots and pans around the kitchen (laughs) and stomping around and kind of uh, ignoring you that that's going to affect you and maybe make you get in your head and think like, oh, I did this. Uh, That's another one of the thinking habits is predicting. Predicting what another person is thinking is huge. Yeah. Like so many people that I work with feel like they need to figure things out for other people. Like, and that goes back to the boundaries. I really want to help you. So let me anticipate what it is that you need. And now I'm exhausted because I've run to the store and I've done this and I've done all these things for you, even though you didn't ask me to do them. And more likely than not, the person is still pissed at you because you guessed wrong. Because instead of talking to them, you you were trying to mind read, mm-hmm. which is one of those. I'm predicting what you're thinking. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna fortune tell. I'm gonna mind read. You know, and I'm gonna figure out what it is that you need without you even having to tell me. And then you know, I think people become really resentful from that. You know, mind reading and not not reading it right, mm-hmm. and that person's still mad at you. And I mean, I don't know who wouldn't feel angry from that. <laughs> one of the things I think that's that was so helpful for me when I really started to do my own journey of self-discovery and how my thinking has created so many problems for me is realizing how quickly I think in multiple unhelpful habits. Oh, yes. Right? Like, I, like, again, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, I think in pictures. And so I think of it as a pinball machine that, like, the ball goes out and it's like ding, 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 hitting off of all of these different... Mm-hmm. whatever pieces in the machine and that's how fast unhelpful thinking habits move from one style to another mm-hmm. right so I might come over and interact with Christy and Christy had a bad day it has nothing to do with me but I don't know that she hasn't told me I come in I'm like hey Christy what's up and she's like hey and immediately I'm like oh no what's wrong did I do something wrong Right? Like, I immediately feel bad. So now I'm thinking based on my emotions, and that's emotional reasoning, right? I feel guilty, so therefore I must have done something wrong. So now I'm like, oh God, I'm such an idiot. What did I do? Well, now I'm labeling myself, right? That's another unhelpful thinking style. Then I think, I know. It was probably yesterday when I didn't do this thing for Chrissy that she asked me to do. So now I'm mind reading, right? That's another unhelpful thinking style. Then I think, I know she's going to be so mad if I don't do this. So now I'm, you know, fortune telling. I can predict the future. I know what's going to happen. And within one thought, I have bounced into four or five different unhelpful thinking styles. And it happens so quick, you can't even You don't even realize it's Mm -hmm. happening. Yeah, and being able to list them and label them helps us get a little bit of space between them, but Mm -hmm. it's not like it doesn't happen. It happens all the time. So that's what I was going to ask. How do you identify when you're doing it, but at the same time, you know, not completely... You know, there's a delicate balance where you have to be (laughs) socially aware and and somewhat Mm self-aware. Like, if Christy, you know, comes across as angry, you know, how do I know... You know, sometimes she might be coming across as 
pretty angry with me. Yeah. Then you have to be aware of that. But then there's also your your thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, but then how do you, you know, stay aware of, like, this is really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I, for personally, for me and what I talk to people about is I recognize my emotion first. Yes. And then the thinking like, oh my God, I'm pissed off. Like, why am I pissed off? All right, take a minute and I'm really into breathing. So you do like, you count in for four, you hold it, you count out for eight or three and six, whatever. But you want to double mm-hmm. your exhale and just like take a minute to step back and say, I'm feeling this way. And there are different kinds of um, feelings. Some are fulfilled or unfulfilled. And I feel like uh, the unfulfilled emotions are the ones where um, I might be having some negative stuff going on. That would be anger, fear. Um, anxiety. Anxiety, guilt, sad, tense, all of those yeah, things. Guilt, shame, all of that. So I agree with Christy that the first thing to do is to really notice what it is that you're feeling, right? Um trying to really pay attention to how you're thinking is really hard. It's not something that just comes easily. Just like anything, it's something that you have to practice at. So more often than not, like Christy said, we first experience our emotions and that can be a really good guide to how we're thinking. But what you said, um, Reagan, about, you know, if Christy's mad, I don't know whether it's at me or somebody else or what's going on. Did I do anything? And as we've talked about in previous podcasts, this is why we communicate, right? With people, um, especially what people that we feel safe with. So ask questions, not yes. making assumptions. Exactly. And so that's assumptions ha- is on here too. Thinking habits. What's that called? Prediction. Yeah. So instead of mind reading, instead of predicting what I think, Christy, oh, she's mad at me. I can say, Hey, are you okay? You seem mad. And that gives Christy an opportunity to identify, is she actually feeling that way? Right. Am I misreading her? Or if I am mad and you can't sense that I'm mad, like that's my fault for not telling you. Correct. And taking ownership of that. But that's also another hard thing to do. Yeah. They're all really difficult. So, yeah, I think that being able to communicate in relationships, ask questions, be more willing to find out the answers a lot that's scary though too right to to be vulnerable to open up to ask another person to be vulnerable um i was actually just talking about this um with somebody else yesterday or today um about like what but i don't want to ask what if it is what if i did do something wrong right what if christy is mad at me you don't want to know the answer i don't well do you not Mm -hmm. i mean like you kind of don't but then like how much that actually perpetuates the problem that you're already having and that it could damage your relationship even further Mm -hmm. so maybe i did do something wrong and it's okay to say hey you seem did i do anything wrong and maybe she can be like yeah you did you know you mess this up or you didn't do this thing or I'm disappointed, whatever it might be. I can then at least we can work through that, right? If the person is unwilling to work through it with you, to me, that's valuable information about whether or not I want to have that person in my life. And cutting people out is very difficult for a lot of people because it's like, well, what does that mean about me? Or maybe I'm not giving them a chance, but life is that way. And actually, Reagan and I have been good friends since first grade, so not a lot of people have that sort of um, history with one another, but along the way, so you have middle school and high school, you have college, you have this job, you have that job, you have friends of your spouse, you have family members, whatever, but, um, and as you get older too, it, you can't keep everybody. So recognizing who's actually 
adding to your life and not draining you who has appropriate boundaries who you can express and communicate openly with as well are the ones you want to keep yeah you were talking before christy about the critical self when we first kind of started Mm -hmm. talking about how for you you feel like that's a really big important part of your unhelpful thinking Mm -hmm. i'm wondering if you would talk more about that sure um this idea of needing to be not perfect, but not have things go wrong. I think that um, just thinking back at different times in my life when it's gotten in the way um, would be, um, I would say, if I'm thinking like I should do something or that because so much of it has always been tied to guilt of I should be doing this, I should be doing that. I'm a very busy person by nature. I think that I really like being busy, but one thing that I learned in my own therapy was that being busy was distracting me, and people can be distracted by so many things. So if you are critical of yourself and you're feeling like you're not living up to one thing or another, you might be distracting. And so distraction can look like working too much, eating too much, drinking too much, um, going to the gym. Um, Having too many social commitments? Yes. Facebook. um, Can anybody think of anything else that might get in the way? I think that's a lot of it. It is. Just like over-scheduling your schedule. Yes. Yes. And always being on the go and not having that time to like rest and repose. And I think that the reason why I was initially busy, I did go through a divorce and that was a very highly emotional time. And I think that for myself, I threw myself into my work to not feel my feelings. And so when I wasn't feeling my feelings, I wasn't feeling bad about myself. I wasn't like taking ownership over what I did and did not do in that relationship to get me where I was and to really be able to sit with where I was going and trusting that. So being busy for me was like an effort to avoid feeling bad about myself. Well, and whenever I started learning and exploring about negative thinking, I really felt like, the should one was like shocking to me. Like <laughs> that's negative. Like I never thought I of that know. before. Mm-hmm. Like because you that just becomes ingrained. So in what's you. an example for you? I you know I should be a great student. Mm-hmm. I should be mm-hmm. a perfect daughter. I should be a top employee. Here's where it should. When I just thought of it in our group this week, I brought um, something that a, a good friend of mine has shared with me about apologies and it said stop apologizing and I was like reading through and it was talking about work and emails and this and that and so I thought hey maybe I'll like see if this is a thing for me and oh my goodness I apologize like I'm sorry about this I'm sorry about this delay I'm sorry about that and that's not owning not owning um that maybe you say oh hey I'm running late oh Reagan I'm so sorry that I'm running late that's kind of uh, unless I did it on purpose, it's kind of putting yourself in a position above me and saying my time isn't as a value. So saying, thank you for being patient. Thank you for waiting. But I think that's a big unhelpful belief that we have is that you should apologize. Yes. You should apologize. And so just like Jenna was saying, all those shoulds, that was another one for me that I was like, wait a minute, I do this all the time. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I... I should. I should be a straight-A student, just like she said. I should be available to my clients. I should... My children. My children. I should make this much money. Or when you're talking about people, I should know what they want. 
I should know, um, you know, how to take care of them. And when or we, they should know what I want. Exactly. That's a dangerous one, too. I should be at this point in my career because I'm this oh, age. Good I'm one. on a timeline. What is a timeline? Yeah. Have you... Well, I say to myself, um, I remind myself, like, I see some people... And especially in my specific business, I, you'll see younger people that are way farther ahead mm. for various reasons. And it could be a really good reason. Um, and you, I, I'm just like, I should be at this level. I should be making this much money. And then I just have to back up and remind myself, you didn't start until 10 years later. Yeah. Like, yeah. You went to grad school and then you took some extra time to have fun um and you're really good at what you do yeah and you're not doing a shabby job like everything you're doing is is pretty good stop comparing yourself Absolutely. those are good answers to that critical self but can you think about what those thoughts are that you have the negative ones the critical one like you should be where you're at in life you mean if what i should say to myself yeah like, or no you you were able to combat those. And yeah. Those, yeah. So I would, basically I was saying, you know, I basically, based on my age and based mm. on the work that I'm doing, I should be at a higher level. Mm -hmm. I should be making, you know, $20,000 more. I should be doing this. And because I'm seeing all these other people come in and constantly being reminded, mm -hmm. yeah. I could just go down that path. And sometimes mm -hmm. I do, mm. you know, sometimes late at night you're just laying there and you're just upset about it yeah but you have I have to just keep saying to myself you're really really good at your job mm -hmm. and you you know you spent five years yeah. having a really good time <laughs> and <laughs> instead of working really hard mm -hmm. um and then you went to get more school so it's it makes you feel like stop attacking yourself Absolutely. late at night is the worst and what reminded me what you were talking about, and I know that I often do, is kind of discounting the good things that mm -hmm. we've done. Oh, you that's know. in here, too. Mm -hmm. Mental filter. And I talk to people. Gretchen loves analogies. Let's throw this one out there. <laughs> the kitchen sink. You have this drain in there, right? And so it clogs up with all of the crap and then all the clear water goes through so i like to think about like our brain doing that sometimes too and it holds on to that negative yeah and like maybe three things great happened today but one thing bad and i'm just gonna focus on that and replay it again yeah. and again and how could i do that and i should have known better and there's the shoulds and the critical self right. thing. and they go hand in hand like jenna what you were saying is that we filter in only those negative things that's all we're mm -hmm. looking at and then when somebody else says to you but look what you've accomplished. Like, look what you've done. That's when you're discounting those positives. And I will say personally, I have always struggled with this on evaluations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most of us, I think, have work evaluations. And, you know, for 10 years now, I would say that no matter how great of an evaluation that I get, if there's that one, not even negative, but... Everybody has room for improvement <laughs> yeah. and harping on that. And just as we've talked about, that one thought spirals through all of these. Right. It just thinking. takes you down. And what? I know, Reagan, you were in HR before, right? And yeah. I know that I recall conversations that we had about you having to deal with employees that were just like flying off the handle for whatever reason and not taking the time to stop and think like, 
maybe what their role in a situation is. Is there anything that you can think of? That's an unhelpful <laughs> thinking well, style called personalization. Well, even back to what Jenna was saying, I mean, people don't even realize that on those, you have to put something yes. that people have to work on. No it's never a bad thing. Right. It's never a bad thing to have. But no one is taught, like, especially now, mm-hmm. that... You know, hearing those things are good for you. We never go in wanting to know what we can work on because it feels so bad to hear it. Especially if you had the type of parents who took care of everything for you. I find now as an employer, um, people don't have a lot of life experience that, you know, people are expected now to go straight from their undergrad to their graduate so that they can get a job. So that's giving them more debt, and their parents tend to be more involved than they were, say, when we were younger. Or if you have an upbringing with parents or uh, caregivers, people or any that were really critical. Um, so if you experienced a lot of criticism growing up, then you go into work and you're going to get feedback. You're mm-hmm. going to get constructive feedback, which will feel like criticism. Right. And it's hard to differentiate the two. Um, well, if you've, offensive. Well, and if you've mm-hmm. never been taught that, again, mm-hmm. it goes back to all of that, like these unhelpful thinking patterns and styles and habits that we have all get rooted in our upbringing, right? Like I don't ever remember anyone teaching me these things. Do you, well, did anybody hear that? It all comes back to like what your core beliefs are yeah. and your upbringing. And then even just society, yes. like thinking about these. And again, like, with the criticism, it's so hard to take because we should be perfect. Right? And you should be on a timeline that everybody else is on as well. Yeah. The should is another word that I think we need to remove from the li- the English language, just like normal. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I really want to make a point of is telling people that if we remove should from our vocabulary, it automatically softens what we're saying to ourselves or to other people when we replace that with other words. So instead of saying... I should be um, a perfect student. I should be a straight A student saying, I want to work to be a straight A student. Or That's a goal that I have. I hope to be a straight A student. I would like to be a straight A student. Um, as soon as you replace that word, it automatically feels less like an expectation that you've set of yourself and more, like you said, Christy, like a goal. Mm-hmm. That, I feel like, ties into catastrophizing because what is the worst case scenario? And Mm -hmm. I sit with clients and we have to go there and say, what is the absolute worst case scenario? And you have to trust yourself that when and if that would happen, that you would be able to handle it. You have supports, Mm -hmm. you're intelligent, you have um, history, hopefully, on your side that you've handled tough situations in the past. It's this, everything is created in your head. It's not even reality. Yeah. The shoulds also, I think, relate to um, like black and white thinking or mm-hmm. all or nothing thinking, right? That either everything has to be perfect or it's all rubbish. Or, or I only eat carrots or I eat the whole cake. Correct. Or um, for me, I know growing up, I was very much a perfectionist and still struggle in being okay with not having the right answer all the time, not knowing everything, making mistakes, You're things like close. that. <laughs> <laughs> to perfection? Thank you. Well, knowing everything I could do. But it was really hard for me to um, attempt things or take on things that I wasn't sure I'd be really good at or I'd be perfect Mm -hmm. at. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I would not um, do things or take on challenges that I didn't think that I would succeed at. Mm. 
And so that's, I think, a big problem for a lot of us because that all or nothing thinking, we... we like, I don't want to try it because... I don't even you, want... Yeah, no, nope, I don't want to try. Nope, nope, nope. And I'll just come up with whatever excuse or reason, you know, that makes you leave me alone and stop asking. And, um, but I think all the while not really being honest with myself about the reasons why I didn't want to do those things because I believe what I was telling other people, I think, for the most part, because I was so disconnected from the fact that... I wanted to be seen and I wanted to see myself as quote unquote perfect or, you know, the best just, and that goes along again, it goes along with the shoulds because all of these are connected. Mm-hmm. I think for catastrophizing too, um, and working with couples, people come in with the expectation a lot of times of fixing the other cu- person in couples counseling or having this end result that the relationship is going to be perfect and they're going to hold hands and walk into the sunset. Yeah. And a Disney fairy tale. That it is. is, yeah. And actually, those are people that usually have no boundaries and are with people that are unhealthy for them because those are what you hear on the radio as love songs or the romantic movies is, I give you my everything. I couldn't live without you. It was very unhealthy. Well, that's another helpful. should, right? Mm-hmm. My relationship should be like, that Hallmark special. Or what or, other people look like on Facebook. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right? I know, exactly. Please. That's like the worst thing ever. But I saw on Does Facebook... Does anybody know anybody who in real life um, isn't as happy as they appear to be on Facebook? <laughs> Everyone appears to be super happy on Facebook. That's for sure. Right. I uh, know somebody that calls that fake book. We but it's all like take people... pictures of our most miserable moments and post them on Facebook. It would be the most depressing news feed ever. <laughs> want to be celebrated too so there's that balance of not being a hater but also like being more realistic with what it is that you know you want taking like social media for what it is and not overthinking and spiraling out into these negative thoughts well and i think it was you jenna and actually no both of you reagan and jenna were talking about the idea of comparison right That is probably one of the biggest problems that we all have is that we are constantly comparing ourselves to other people um, and other people are doing that too. So Mm -hmm. that's where I think Facebook gets in the way. And like you said, you know, we don't want to be haters. Mm -hmm. We want to be supportive of people and what accomplishments they have and the things that they're posting on Facebook. But I think a lot of times like we scrolling through that news feed or whatever and we're just seeing, oh, she went to Hawaii. Good for you. You know, and like we start feeling and thinking like why does she have that and I don't or where does that you know whatever it gets in the way Mm -hmm. it gets in the way of us being able to see people for who they really are it gets in the way of us being able to have genuine relationships with people because if we're constantly comparing ourselves to people that we don't know people that we do know it's hard for us to have close relationships with those people And that's one thing that you can do is limiting that of just even taking social media apps off of your phone if you find that you're checking them at red lights, in line at the grocery store, of trying to get, in talking about breath work and mindfulness, using that time to center yourself, to not be, because you're standing in line and you're scrolling through stuff and you're starting to get worked up Mm. a little bit over certain things instead of just taking some time to breathe and relax yourself and when you're more in the moment, your brain isn't thinking and overthinking those things. So regarding the comparing, yeah. Yeah. I know in the past, years ago, when I was thinking of people that 
I wanted to, you know, date and things like that. Mm. One of my big things was, oh, this person's, you know, so neat and tidy and this and that, and they will hate me after a while. <laughs> like, I'm not a hoarder or anything, but <laughs> I am not the neatest and tidiest person. There's going to be some clothes dropped on the floor yeah. mm-hmm. here and there and everywhere. And, <laughs> but, you know, what if I, you know, really like this person, this or that? And you're like, so that can't be the the basis for not entering into you know right. relationships and it's things like that like because you're predicting because they're <laughs> they well i was thinking you know um but there's so many other people there's so many other girls mm. that would be really neat and really tidy and, and that's think what they certain, would want right that's what they would want so then i would think to myself you know i need to think differently mm. i need to step back and think but you had said, you're like, we have to be careful not being a hater. Yeah. The one thing you would immediately think is, well, think about all the other bad things about them. You know? like. <laughs> but so what should I do? Instead of thinking the bad things about that person and mm. be like, yeah, they're really neat and tidy, but they suck at this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, in couples counseling, it's very important to meet that head on because not everybody is perfect and so you pick the person not the problems so maybe I want to date you because I think that you're fabulous at going hiking or (laughs) not or (laughs) I'm just you know thinking of anything but I'm willing to deal with and I have to decide cleanliness is very important on my scale or it's not that important and where can I negotiate because uh, like I said you pick the person not the problems and whoever you you decide to be with is going to have something that kind of gets yeah. they're going to find something annoying anyway well yeah. and even before like you said you haven't even met this person right you're like oh no i can see that or maybe you know oh no like i was or using, the other people right yeah probably but i uh, yeah i mean um but yeah so it's like so basically you're saying i have to think you know they're gonna find something that eventually they're <laughs> and gonna you're be gonna find about. something about them. Yeah, yeah. It's well, a, that's, a, that's a pretty, pretty accurate statement. <laughs> I think. I, think I mean, we all find something. It's just how quickly that happens. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for some of us, a little bit faster. I think also realizing for me, I tell myself if I recognize myself comparing, if I recognize myself saying I'm not enough for this person, or hating on another person Mm -hmm. I just call myself out on it Mm -hmm. right like I do not feel good when I say to myself that someone else is better than me for one reason or another it makes myself feel bad so what I don't want to be the kind of person that puts myself down that's what I tell myself and I also tell myself that I don't want somebody else putting me down Mm -hmm. right like that doesn't feel good I don't want another person putting me down so being really aware that when I'm comparing, I immediately say my say to myself, comparisons are not helpful and that's not the kind of person that I want to be. It's like an internal mantra that I have. Well, in going off of how other people make you feel, I know I've struggled a lot with being around other people who are very negative mm. and trying to be positive and finding myself then like, oh, my day is so terrible. Mm-hmm. I have so much work. I didn't get any sleep last night. My dog was barking. I couldn't get a shower. And then you're like, yeah, I'm freaking tired too. Yeah. And this sucks. And there was so much traffic because it was raining. And <laughs> I know like a really helpful tip that I read or somebody told me once was that 
if somebody wants to be the most negative person in the room, let them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that really helped me get past doing in that comparing of I'm going to top your negative day because <laughs> we're at work and it's a beautiful day outside and, you know, everybody wants to be gone. But just letting that go and accepting and being like, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, moving well, on. One thing and that happened for me this week, I mean, and it happens whenever, like you said, who who it is that you choose to hang out with. There's one thing about somebody sympathizing or empathizing with something that you've been through, and then maybe there's a, a different side of it where the other person is then giving you reasons to be more upset about it. Oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah, um, you were upset that this person didn't show up for a commitment that they had with you. Oh yeah. Well, do you remember when this person did this, and did you, re- and they did this to me, and that's what, and then all of a sudden I'm like spewing, like I'm feeling just so like negative about it because that wasn't even you know something that I was thinking about, and now yeah. I'm all worked up. Or they come up with reasons why they might not have come. Oh, you mean they didn't show up? Do you think they're mad at you? What did you right. do? Did you do something to hurt their feelings? Oh, well, I heard. It's like all of it's unhelpful. I think that what Jenna was saying, where you know the negative person it's it's one thing where we're talking about potentially like picking our friends and it's hard to cut people out of your life but it's absolutely doable yeah um and we should all really evaluate who we're friends with and and whether we should still be friends and some people you know think i need to have as many friends as possible or only have so many but are they healthy ones Mm -hmm. but what's even harder is the people that you work with you can't cut them out of your life yeah and i think that that's something that everybody has to like Work with ways to deal or with family. that. That's true. Um, but the work people are there every day. I don't uh, know. Right. With maybe your family is too. But um, but it's like we have to find ways to deal with those people mm-hmm. because unless you really look out and they find another job, they're not going anywhere for yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, not turn into that negative person as well. One thing that I found helpful in those situations is having um, just learning what that person's negativity is going to be like and just having boring responses for them like oh yeah yeah or not, not engaging joining and mm-hmm. engaging in that conversation because their drama feeds off of more drama and that's like the ego part of our brain um our thoughts are separated from who we are i think that came up in a previous podcast that um we are not the thoughts that we're having. So that person's ego is trying to latch on to whatever it is that can create the most biggest dramatic, you know, um, incident ever. And if you're not giving that to them, they're going to go to another host, so to speak, <laughs> and to, to feed <laughs> off of their drama. Yeah, as long as it's not you. I mean, if yeah. they want to bounce and try and find somebody else that's going to give them that, it doesn't have to be you, right? So just or because... Or asking questions like, right. well, what... Um, if they bring up something that you know is going to go down that rabbit hole, you can just kind of divert them in asking another question. And the more you do that, they will get the hint, hopefully. Or you just keep coming up with insanely ridiculous diversion questions and yeah. make it kind of like a game for yourself. That'll help your workday go a little bit quicker. Something that I think can be really hard is when we recognize that we are thinking in an unhelpful way or of style that is creating a lot of damage to us and we don't know how to get out of it mm-hmm. and people tell us to think positively and it makes you want to punch them in the face because it is what it is because right, yeah. or like you know, everything happens for a reason <laughs> mm-hmm. at least 
you still have a job, right? But I hate my job, mm-hmm. but at least you still have one, uh-huh. right? Like all of that kind of stuff where it's like, but look for the positive, see the right. positive, think about the positive. And for me, that's always been something that has made me feel fake and ingenuine. It, mm-hmm. I can't tell myself something that I don't believe. And I, the people that I work with have felt the same way. Mm-hmm. And something that has been really effective for me and I tell everyone is instead of trying to think positively, try to get yourself into a more neutral mind space. So um, if you're thinking that I, I'm a loser, I'm just not a good person, Telling yourself, I'm a winner. I'm a good person. Everybody likes me. me Doesn't, isn't going to feel genuine for Mm -hmm. me. So what I do instead is I try to negate those negative thoughts. So instead of saying that I'm a loser, I might say I'm not a loser. Or I might say... I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the best that I can. I might say it's unhelpful to call myself a loser. Um, Unhelpful is something that will kind of like throw a wrench in any sort of thought pattern. So people will tell me that that's the number one thing that they take away pretty early in therapy of just saying, oh my gosh, not helpful. Like I stop myself and realize, mm-hmm. and maybe it took 10 minutes one day and maybe it took 20 minutes one day, but just not like being harsh with yourself over how long that might be. Um, yeah, because I know a lot of people feel like whenever they're trying to challenge their thoughts is whenever it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. And Finding that space to be like, what am I going to believe in? Mm -hmm. And and even if you find some, because in saying like, is there truth to that? I've Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of people struggle with that. Mm -hmm. So just being able to say like, is it helpful? Mm -hmm. Or what's the evidence to that? Is this something that I need to learn from? Because it's happened in the past and here it's happening again. That's sometimes the case. And the truth of the matter is, sort of it is what it is but you don't want to hear or think that in the moment or maybe not that everything happens for a reason but six months to two years from now I might find out why it is that I'm feeling or this way or why I'm struggling in this but in that moment it doesn't like Gretchen said feel genuine well and and avoiding telling other people that too yeah like your experience might be what it is Mm -hmm. but me thinking that I'm a loser, it's yeah. not, it is what it is, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. so maybe this situation that I'm in feels horrible. And maybe it's because of something that I did, right? And that's why I feel like I'm a loser. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, it's not like, well, you know what? It is what it is. I guess I'm a loser and I'm just going to own it and be a loser for the rest of my life. Because a lot of people do that. People come into therapy and they're like, I mean, I don't know why I'm still trying because everything that I do just ends up being a mess. Mm-hmm. And so clearly it's me. And sometimes just believing that keeps us stuck in those things. And when I say, you know, well, do you, but do you want to believe that about yourself? No one says yes. (laughs) Right. So that's where it's then, okay, well then say to yourself, I don't want to believe that I'm a loser, Mm -hmm. you know, and try to get yourself into that more neutral mental space. Mm -hmm. Something that um, I wanted to touch one more time on that we had brought up, but didn't elaborate on before was um, that critical thinking self and just you know the arguments that we can go back and forth in our head and when we're doing something that's unhealthy to us whether it's um, gaming or eating or drinking or whatever it is is that there's these two voices that tend to happen in your head and the first go around is you know trying to make you feel good about um, what it is that you're doing and the second one is to kind of like punish you so really taking time to look at your everyday life 
and say, what is it that I can maybe scale back on? What is, uh, I need to barter some time. I want to have more time with my kids or I want to um, have time to take a class for myself. So looking at what it is that you might, be, habits that you might have in your life that you feel like are important to cut back or reduce. And those two voices that you were talking about, that first voice is the easy out. Mm -hmm. It's the one that tells us to numb ourselves, to mm -hmm. distract, to avoid. It's what every single one of us goes to initially. This is really hard. I'm just going to watch Netflix for hours it's on anxiety. end. Mm -hmm. And, you know, or it's avoidance at its finest, mm -hmm. right? This feels bad. Whatever this feeling is, it feels bad. I don't want to experience it, so I'm going to avoid the second part of that, that second emotion that's telling us, well, wait a minute, is this really what's best for us? That's really the part of us that knows that we can do better, that maybe we want to do better. And it's harder because then that's taking into account like, okay, well, how am I feeling and what did happen and really trying to address those things. But that's where you're going to find um, freedom mm -hmm. from that struggle, from that cycle that maybe you're stuck in. Um, it's hard work, but it's worthwhile. Totally. So I wanted to say thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for um, Reagan and Jenna for coming and visiting with us and being on the podcast. It was so awesome to have you guys here. Thanks for inviting us. Yes. So much. Okay. So thank you again for listening to Conversations to Connect with Christy. And Gretchen. And if you like our show and want more information and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com connect.com and follow us on Instagram. We're always asking for people's suggestions, their comments. Um, we use those questions and comments in the podcast. So please um, be part of the community there. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com. You can always call your insurance company and ask for some referrals. See you next time.